I'll get whatever kind of cancer I want, damn it. After that, it gets really fake and gay. They're complete trash. They, 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 they are. And I'm not apologizing for this. You can't make They're gay. We don't listen to gays. I love you. Don't get mouth cancer. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, dear. <laughs> I'll get whatever kind of cancer I want, damn that's, it. That's right. Oh, man. Good stuff. So I got this new... Um, got this new tobacco called Cavendish Court. Mm-hmm. It's from a local local shop called McCranny's. Dudes in the dudes in that shop are awesome. But uh outside the bag it almost smells like chocolate. Ooh. Like Is a, it an aromatic or is it a uh Oh it's hundred percent aromatic. Okay. I, I almost only smoke aromatics right now. Just cause uh, I'll, I'll go, like, <clears throat> the one I've been drinking is, uh, buttered rum. Mm hmm And my, uh, my been entire... Been drinking? Oh, not drinking, no. Smoking. Okay. Uh, it's, it's called buttered rum, and my entire truck smells like toffee right now. It's, Ooh. It's amazing. I don't even need an air freshener. I have my pipe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, I've got this, um, granted, it's it's really cheap tobacco, but it's just something good to smoke on. But it's an aromatic called um, Smoker's Pride or something like that. It comes in like a five-pound bag, nice. but it's it's vanilla Cavendish, and it's pretty good. But you got to let it dry out for a little bit, or it's way too wet when you first get it. Mm. Uh, so it's probably been sitting in that bag for at least a year now, probably, probably two years. And uh, it's delicious. That's my normal smoke, uh, unless I go with something a little bit stronger. Well, um, this is pretty good. This Cavendish Court is pretty good. Does he have an online shop? My local uh, cigar shop, he's barely into into pipes right now. Oh, okay. Uh, so um, I want to get some Presbyterian blend. Hey, let me see how much that is. While I'm at my computer... I don't know when I get back to uh we're talking about moving back to Mississippi here pretty soon. I'll probably be finding uh local tobacco shops. Or what would be good is if I started one. Yeah. Well there's a there's a tobacconist. I don't exactly know where he's at. I'll look that up in a second. Uh let's see, how much is this for a ten? Doesn't flip and say. Um, Yay. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, there's, it's called the County Country Squire or County Squire or something like that. Um, it, it's, it, from, 
I've had a lot of his. Oh, it's eleven twenty of ten. That's not bad. Um, but here I'll look it up. County Squire. I feel like pipes are having a comeback. They are. I'm seeing more and more people smoke them, or it's because that I smoke a pipe, and um, I'm just noticing a lot more people. Uh the Country Squire. He is in. Scroll down to the bottom. Uh, he's off in the, he's in central Mississippi, but he like uh he ba- basically buys a bunch of bulk tobacco and does it that way. Mm. Contact us. Uh, Jackson. Okay, he's in Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah, all the ones that I see, there's two pipe shops. And then the rest of them are like vape shops. Uh, I don't know who's going to vape. Gay people, that's who. Well, I used to vape. And then I went to smoke a pipe. I'm glad the Lord delivered you. Right. I'm out. Okay, so whenever I butcher my, um, I'm looking at pipes right now. And when I, <clears throat> when I butcher my billy this year, probably going to take one of his horns and make me a pipe out of it. Hell yeah. Yeah. Pipes are expensive, though, yo. Uh... They're really expensive. They can be, but they don't have to be. Yeah. Corns are, like, stupid cheap. Well, yeah, but they don't last as long, do they? Depends on how well you take care of them. I mean, it's just like any other pipe. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to last as long as, you know, the other other styled pipes, especially the wooden ones. But, I mean, they'll last long enough. I mean, eight bucks will last you a while. Right. That, that, That is true. Um, I want me. I want to get me like a straight, uh, a straight stem pipe because I got me a curved, um, curved briar pipe, mm. and it's pretty good. Uh, the stem wants to come out of it a lot, uh, but I know why, and that's because of improper pipe care. Um, mm. Yeah, it was when I when I first bought it, it wound up getting wet, and that part never really like went back to normal. Because so, it it uh, swelled up. Yeah. And then I cleaned it the other day, and now it just won't, like, go back in, because I'm guessing, like, some stuff was, like, kind of keeping that stem in there a little bit better. Yeah. Whenever I went and cleaned it out, it, uh, yeah. So I got some electrical tape wrapped around it. It's okay. It still smokes. <laughs> I don't care. It's electrical tape. Well, it's white electrical tape, so it actually, like, accents it a little bit more. It's like this freaking Dun- Dunhill Sherry Briar Pipe, 550 bucks. Oof. I mean, it looks cool. Shit, though. Here, I'll send it to you. Yeah, that looks really cool. That all-black look. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. I like it squared but, off. It's got a nice... We'll have to put pictures of this in the cast when we're on the video. Oh, yeah. I'll have to check this website out. This nice little, nice little website. Uh, well, this is the first time I've went on the website, but a friend of mine, he used to buy a lot of tobacco from this guy, and uh, 
Yeah. I like the little devil's acorn that they got the uh, Missouri Meerschaum corn cob. It looks like an acorn. Yeah. That one looks cool. I want to get, uh, what are they called? The, the church wardens. Oh yeah. Okay. Hold on. They have literal, um, it's called middle earth tobacco. It's a non-aromatic blends. One of them's called Bag End, which is a traditional Scottish. Green Dragon, which is Virginia's. Kingsfoil, which is a Virginia-Kentucky blend. Old Toby. Rivendell, which is a nutty wood coca. And Second Breakfast, which is vanilla maple. And that is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, the church wardens aren't that expensive. They're not as bad as I thought they would be. Uh, the one up at the local pipe shop is only, um, I want to say he he was selling it for, it was less than 80 bucks, because uh, he didn't have a pipe up there that was less than 80, but I think it was like 60. Mm. Uh, according to one of our old mutual friends, he says it smokes like crap, but I think that's just because he doesn't know how to smoke. <laughs> I'm, yeah, ta- that, I'm talking that, about our friend Gimli there. Yeah, that, that'll get in the way, for sure, not knowing how to, not know how yeah. to smoke. Oh, man, it took me forever to actually learn how to actually pack a pipe. I still and, I still tend to overpack. But... Yeah, that that was my biggest problem, and then I, then I went to underpacking, and now I just kind of like, oh, this feels about right, and I do a couple draws, I'm like, yeah, this feels fine. It feels fantastic. Aim to have just a little bit of tension on the draw. Yeah. It... I, I tend to have a little bit too much by the time I'm done with it. I'm like, dang it, man. Uh, the way I heard it was, is the first, like when you pack it, like, okay, so you want three layers in it. Uh, the first is a baby pack and then a woman pack. And the top is a manly pack. <laughs> That's the way I always heard it. But I just like, yeah, I don't know. I just basically throw it in there like a pinch of tobacco and just kind of poke it down. Mm. Do another pinch of tobacco and poke it down. <laughs> I need to get me another pipe tool because mine gone somewhere. I'll send you a picture of mine. I got it from this uh this this pipe shop I've got. It's got uh kind of like a Swiss Army pipe tool. Is it like a three way check tool or check uh, pipe tool? I'm about to send you a picture of it. Uh, uh kind of stylized like a pipe. Oh, that's cool. I like that. So it's got the packer on, on the back end. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. I can't ignore this picture. Do you have Tony Saturies at your work desk? <laughs> yeah, 100%, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, uh, I literally put it on everything. So, uh, yes. Uh, I even have that. So uh, I have it on my desk at work. I have a I have a thing of Tony's on my oh, desk wow. at work, and uh, I keep that and mustard pretty much within arm's reach. It, <laughs> it's one of those two that 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 goes with me everywhere. 
That's just that's just so right. Like I wouldn't think you kept it in like your office workspace or wherever. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean it's right, not like man. it's gonna go bad. That's uh, true. That's true. Of course, I, I guess I really don't need to buy me like a pipe tool. I can just make me my own tamper out of some like a good hardwood. Um, that's what I kind of do anyways. Is I just cut off a little branch or whatever and do whatever I need to with it. So I saw some of those uh, like wooden tamps, and they've got like a little duck bill on the back end. Uh huh. That duck bill kind of doubles as a poker and a blade. Yeah. Well, get this. Okay, so a metal pipe tool, kind of like what you have, but it's not fancy. It's just a regular metal pipe tool. Mm-hmm. It's three bucks. Huh. The bourbon barrel tamper that's made of wood, which is out of stock, by the way, is seventeen ninety nine. My goodness. Yeah, I'm like, what the crap? Oh, they sell beer, uh, uh, butter bomb and beard wash and beard oil. Market into the hipsters now. Yep. I got a six pack of the uh the little uh ring tamp poker blade combo tools. Mm-hmm. Like twelve eighty three at Walmart. Really? I've never seen Walmart carry anything pipe related. I'm highly suspicious of this. Hand pipe threader set. So it's, Oh, that's it's, for that's for like actual like metal pipe. Oh. Okay, so uh it's packed away somewhere, but when I find it I'll send you a picture of it. But dad brought home a uh, a pipe from the army. I never knew he had it. It was like in stuffed in his drawer somewhere. And uh but it's like a little German head with some tassels coming off of it with the uh the, the top of the pipe has like a um oh, I don't know what to call it, but it's like a little metal cat that just like folds over onto the under the bowl itself. Uh-huh. And um I want to get that fixed cuz the, the the stem came out. It's not broken, but I think I need like some cork to wrap around it so that it stays in. But I'm interested in getting that functional because that'd be a pretty cool pipe to, to show off to people because it's like a little figurine head. That's pretty cool, yeah. There you go. There's that tool, by the way. Oh, okay. I'm not subscribing to your email list. Yeah, don't do that. Doesn't have a price on it though. Yeah, the one I got was ten bucks. Oh. You gotta go to Amazon. On Amazon it's ten bucks. Okay. I had one that looked like a nail that I used for a little while. I had two of them actually. And I don't know what happened to it. Yeah, I lost mine that looks like that too. Yep. All right, so you were talking trash about Lord of the Rings. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The movie Lord of the Rings sucks. But it's only compared to the books. Like, if it was just a standalone movie, no, they'd be fine movies. 
But when you actually read the books, they're complete trash. They they they, they are. And I'm not apologizing for this. You can't make me. <laughs> I don't want you to apologize. I just want you to know you're wrong. Well, how how am I wrong? Like, think about it. Think about it. We were stolen. If if you only watch the movies, okay. So the majority of Lord of the Rings fans have only watched the movies. Now I say fans very very loosely here. Okay, I'm was, not talking about. I was actual... about to say like. Yeah, I'm using fans very loosely. Like, oh, I love Lord of the Rings. Oh, which part of the book do you like? Oh, I've never read the book. Well, then you ain't a fan, homie. But anyways, they're a fan. I, of the and movies. I was like, do what? They're a fan of the movies. Yeah, and I was a fan of the movies for a long time, but I realized I might need to read the books. And oh boy, did I realize how much I was missing out on. I was missing out on the entire Tom Bombadil section. Um, I was missing out on uh, trying to think of one from the Two Towers. I can't. I can't think of it right now. Uh, I was missing the freaking the ravishing of the Shire and the retaking of the Shire. The central part of the last book is taking back the Shire. And you're not going to show that in the movie? Like, you can't even give that ten minutes? Ah, a bunch of bull honky. So, I think the problem is, and Tolkien actually acknowledged this when he finished out the books, that the books were not something that you could actually translate to film. And a lot of people take this, you know, the massive battles and, and all that and whatnot. No, I don't think that that's what he was talking about. I think that he was talking about, in the wider scheme, the themes that are going through the book can't really be translated. So I felt robbed as well when I you know, didn't see Tom Bombadil. But it's kind of hard to put that into a movie and make it make sense. Um, Very difficult to do that. Now, if somebody can do it, that's fine. But <clears throat> uh, I I don't think they had the, the crew for that. I think that there could have been some, there would have had to been some cast changes for that to be even possible, but I don't know that they would actually get across the, you know, the more esoteric elements of the of of the book through the medium of film. Well, I'm not exactly saying that they should have gotten through every every line of mythos that was in Lord of the Rings. That's that's not my argument at all. My argument is is there are central themes of the book, and you just completely ignore them. Like, like for instance, the entire uh, when Gandalf's away uh, at the beginning of um, Fellowship of the Rings. It's when Gandalf goes out and he's and he's in search of um, of basically the lore, and then he he goes to uh, Minas Tirith and he searches through and you know find, finds the records and such like that. In the movie, it's like everything's happening you know quick, but in the book, it's years goes by before Frodo actually makes that journey. Um, and then the whole, yeah, I mean, I'm but not going to sit here and nitpick everything, but at the same time, there was a lot of stuff that was robbed in the movie, and then they added a bunch of stuff that I don't think was necessary. So, like, the the, the time and distances being traveled, um, it's hard to really 
get that through on film. Like it, they they kind of referenced it a little bit with the, you know, the, the aerial flybys or whatever, but it it wasn't. It's not. That's not something. I mean, the only, the only way to really acknowledge that is to have like, you know, five months of traveling. You know, and it it doesn't really work for a film. That's kind of what I'm getting at. Is time scales all messed up in that? Uh, like one of the things I think they did translate well was the speech that uh, Gandalf gave to Frodo was actually spread all across the first film instead of just being at the beginning of the film. He had it spread out, you know, all the way through Moria, uh, where the last part of that that speech took place, where he, 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 he talks about, um, you know, it was mercy that stayed Bilbo, Bilbo's hands. And, you know, we, we, don't, we don't know what people's end is going to be. We only know what we have in front of us. And mercy has a role to play in how we act things out. Yeah, Gollum probably deserves to die. But is killing him really the thing you need to do? Because you don't know what, fu what future is going to come out of Gollum. And that was all in the first... You know, that was before Frodo ever left the Shire. They had that whole conversation. But he stretched it out, and... It comes through as bits of wisdom that Gandalf is giving throughout the entire film. And I think that that was great. I think that that was a, a great way of handling it, personally. Okay, I can't argue with you about the uh, how he did the speech. I'm not going to argue that section, I'm, but I'm arguing... But, but he, did lose the the, he did lose the Barrow Downs, which was formative in... Bilbo's character where Bilbo rejected the idea of just saving himself and that action of rejecting where instead of giving in to the siren song let's say he called on Tom Bombadil which is you know acting in the in the type for Christ and who comes and saves the the hobbits from the the monsters in in the Barrow Downs like that that kind of stuff's not in there, and I don't think that I don't think that Frodo's really developed properly because of that. Yeah, I mean, because I'm, I'm like, I mean, I'm literally watching the uh, the third movie. Uh, paused it to come back here and talk with you, and Frodo just seems like a flat character. I mean, he really does. Now, now Samwise is there. Samwise, I mean, in my opinion, I think Samwise is the hero of the entire thing. Other uh, movies, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and that's because Samwise just is just a good friend, like period. He's just a good friend. But he's got a character development, and even in even in the um, the Hobbit the, the Hobbit trilogies, Bilbo has a good character arc. Like we see him progressing through, but with with Frodo, we don't see the actual internal. I mean, we kind of see it. We get glimpses of it, but I don't think they portrayed the actual internal struggle that Frodo was going through and his character development. And, and a lot of that does have to do with what I mentioned earlier was they did not put retaking of the Shire in there. 
if they had put that right. in there, they could have added more onto his actual character development and made him a three dimensional character. Well, and that also would have shown. Uh, Doug Wilson talks about this. It would have shown the, the contrast of the kind of uh, feckless and impotent warriors that the hobbits were before they left versus what they were when they came back. You know, they were they were, you know, the mighty men of valor when they came back after their 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 stunt through Middle Earth. Uh, yes. But before then, they were they were just little feckless hobbits who were having fun running around and stealing corn. Uh, I I don't like how they treated the gaffer, where the gaffer actually hid them from the Black Riders in the book. In the movie, he's just throwing corn around, and he's a bit of uh, uh, comedic relief. Oh, you you mean Farmer uh Farmer Cotton? I'm sorry. Yes, Farmer Cotton. Okay, yeah, because I was I was wondering what you were meaning by gaffer, but yeah, 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 yeah. No, uh, yeah, and no, I totally, I totally agree. I, I, I like the character Tom Cotton, and because even at the end in uh, Return of the King, he comes back and he allies with the other Hobbitons, and um, they defeat the uh, the bandits. They come and take over the Shire. And I don't think we. I, why they took that out, I have no earthly idea. Because there were but... already a bunch of endings. I mean, you're trying to fit it. You had 12 hours to do everything, and it it's you got to cut some content, and it was really hard to get in what they got in. That's what I'm saying. Like unless you're doing. Uh, now this is the. I'm gonna go ahead and say something blasphemous. This is the this is the one thing that I'm a little. Um, curious as to how Amazon's gonna do Middle Earth. I'm gonna I'm gonna watch the first episode just to see how how bad a direction they take it. Um, oh, they're gonna have gay elves, you know it. Maybe we'll see. We'll see. Um, they might throw a tranny in there, but we'll have to see. I'm curious to see what they do with it. Um, because it it's got a lot of promise. But to be frank, so does a lot of other media that they destroy. Uh, now, I was, I was actually, I actually really liked what they did with Man in the High Castle. Um, I liked the original book. There are a few scenes that I wish they would have taken over from the book, but I think they kept the spirit of the book in the show, and actually did a lot more with the themes so like in the in the book what's being handed out were were pamphlets and war propaganda but in the in the show it's actual like movies like home movies and so there's a difference between the medium that's being used to convey this stuff from the book to the film uh to the show rather but they still kept the essence of what was happening and I really liked how they developed the the story, regardless of the way they changed it. So there's a way you can recreate a show, change some plot lines and character details, or even, you know, whole story arcs, and still keep the essence of a thing. Um, but there was a lot of homeliness that the the films lost. Uh, because they didn't, they didn't focus on those things, you know, 
uh, the farmer Cotton, for instance, perfect example, how he not only housed them, but he had like a full, you know, several course meal for them, making sure they were fed and they, they were able to wash up and rest for the evening. Um, and, you know, he didn't pry too much into their, into their business. He was a very good host. It was the whole point that, you know, the hobbits wouldn't have gotten out of the Shire if it weren't for, you know, folk who were kindly and who gave the, uh, the generosity and the hospitality that, that was required to save the hobbits. And you lose that in the film. And then instead they go to Bree, and Bree looks like the, um, the the typical you know pirate hideout with everybody going Rarrr! everywhere. <laughs> it, instead of it being a a town full of people that's about to be disturbed by the Black Riders, you know it's it, it looks like it's already disturbed. Yeah, yeah, and that so that that darkness that he kind of put over it. I don't really like that. But I like the films overall. I like the focus on the characters in some ways. I like the way that uh, some of the things were played out. So <clears throat> I guess my pushback here is I don't. I wouldn't say that they suck. I would say that uh, they don't. They don't do the book justice. But I'll also say, in in parallel with that, I don't know that a film could do it justice. I I don't think that it's a I don't think it's one that can get translated. Because Tolkien was going for a myth. He wasn't going for a story per se, even though it's got a good story in it. He was going for a myth. Yeah, no, no, I get what you're saying. And and I just think the movies just are so two dimensional compared and I know, I know, like I've been saying this, we can't we can't judge the book by the movies and vice versa because they're two completely different mediums but i just think the movies think about it they had a trilogy for the hobbit and each one of the lord of the rings books is as big if not bigger and has more content than the hobbit wouldn't those three movies be you know, at least deserving of, of of sequels like um fellowship 1 and 2 Two towers, one and two, etc. Yeah, I think if I think the the better way of doing it, which <clears throat> at the time, big epic movies was a thing, and you know thrillers and action films were were in vogue at the time, and so they were just translating to keep it in vogue at the time. I think if they tried to do it now, they'd do exactly what they're doing with Middle Earth. They'd try to make a series out of it. Which, let's be honest, Lord of the Rings, as a as a book trilogy, it's much better off as, you know, probably about 60 or 80 hours of screen time, uh, you know, over the course of three or four seasons. That's it's It's much more inclined to that. But that's to get all of the all of the details. Like I, I, the thing that I really appreciate about uh, Tolkien is that food plays into the story. Like he he goes to great lengths trying to describe this homely atmosphere, where you know the hobbits are sitting down at Cotton's table, 
and they're having these this this meal in front of them and he kind of goes into a little bit of detail about the meal so that you can almost taste what they're eating you know or or you at least have that in your mind and uh you know the 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 films don't even really regard food that much except for the one scene in return of the king where he he's like biting a biting a tomato in half and it goes down his chin speaking of food though so those books actually got me to experiment more with red wine um because they drink a lot of wine and they're like in the beginning of beginning of the hobbit uh gandalf wants just a glass of red wine like red wine sounds really good so i've been drinking red wine there you go and actually i like it like i'm yeah i like it i might i might even say that i like it better than whiskey right but there's a time and place for both not saying i gave up whiskey i'm just saying them's, them's fighting words don't go too far I did. I did. I didn't insult whiskey. I'm just saying I might personally <laughs> like this better than whiskey. Oh, good. So we're we're kind of going back and forth about Lord of the Rings. What what are some other books you've been reading this year, man? Okay, so since we're on the the movie versus book subject, earlier this year I read slash listened to. Hey, most of my books I consume via audio, so you can at me if you want. I don't care. Talk more to the audience than you. Um, I was about to say because I've been all about the audio uh, audible books. Yeah. So so, but uh, I listened to slash read um, Frankenstein, which has been translated into movies. I don't know how many times, but none of the movies are even close to what the book is about. Period. Bar none. And I was kind of disappointed because. The book was actually pretty good. Um, yeah, they did the same thing with Dracula. Yeah. Um, Dra- oh, I read Dracula also. Fantastic. Great. It was amazing. Now, here's the thing. Uh, I think it's Netflix has a Dracula series. And the first episode is the closest I've seen the book hands down now there's some stuff that's obviously changed or whatever but like it it's, it doesn't have the same format as the books because the books come across as you know the, the small little diary entries or whatever yeah it's all correspondence right um but the that that series the first episode follows very closely now after that it gets really fake and gay but the the I would I would recommend if you're going to if you if you want to watch a good Dracula film just watch the first episode and don't get ruined by the the second and third Okay all right I might actually check I don't have Netflix but I think I've got it bootlegged somewhere but uh on on Frankenstein though it it took a little bit for me to get invested in the story but once I kind of understood what the story was going for, the only thing that I could think of was the author absolutely is in rebellion to God. 100%. 100%. Because it seemed like anytime Frankenstein was, was, or not, excuse me, Frankenstein, but the monster was talking to Dr. Frankenstein, it was all arguments that an atheist would use against God. Yep. Um, for instance, why did you make me like this? 
do you think that you know better than me? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, bro, these are, it's old and tired. And then I come, then come to find out it was written by, um, uh, I don't, I don't know if you'd call him postmodernist, but basically a, uh, basically a radical of that day. Uh, one that didn't want to get married, but got married just for the legitimacy of the child. Um, basically the feminist of that day. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. yeah completely sexually degenerates and um, just degenerate overall. But yeah. Yeah. But other than that, it was still a good book. Like it's a classic. I think everyone should, you know, read it, but uh, just, just know that it's a complete, it's a diatribe. That's completely a rebellion against God. Well, I, I guess, I guess this should this should be the disclaimer here. Just because we say a book is great doesn't mean we agree with the content. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I I don't know why that should be should have to be said, but um, yeah. I, I guess I'll just go ahead and go ahead and couch that right there. Uh, we've got it on tape. The views expressed in these books are not necessarily those of the host. <laughs> now, if we're going to talk about uh, movies versus books, and we're going to get to more modern fiction. I'm going to go with Starship Troopers. Read that this year also. Yeah, so the the book is, is pretty good, uh, but I have not watched a movie that gets me more hyped for nationalism. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's and it's completely uh, ironic that that film invokes that because the the director was trying to invoke the exact opposite. Yeah, and and not not only just nationalism, but their specific type of nationalism. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, it <clears throat> so that's the one thing that uh, unintentionally remains pretty consistent, moving from the uh, the book to the film. That uh, yeah, yeah, I would I would one hundred percent advocate for that. You you can't vote unless you're you're gonna sign up to put your 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 mind and body on the line for the for the for the for the nation and succeed like you have to succeed as well yep yeah yeah i totally agree. i mean starship troopers i mean going through it and and just just like okay so take the um i can't even remember the the main character's name it's been so long ago um rico yeah rico even taking him when he was having his argument with his dad about why he wanted to be a citizen and not just a civilian. And then later after the, the bugs attacked Terra or is it Planetara? Yeah, basically earth. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, when the bugs attacked earth and his mother died, spoiler alert, or we're, yeah, we're not going to whatever. Book's old enough. It's like trying to give spoiler alerts for Lord of the Rings. Sorry. Yeah. Anyways, um, and, and his dad signed up to be, you know, to, to go and fight. And he kind of finally understood, like, okay, this is why we're fighting. This is what we're fighting for. And I'm like, okay, yeah. I mean, you could even see character development within a guy's dad that uh, wasn't even there. Or, or, or better yet, when, when the guy, when the, um, the CO was trying to turn a blind eye to the cadet striking the drill instructor, but the cadet would not leave well enough alone. Yeah. So essentially, he had to be executed. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's um I don't know, it's a it's a it's a great the the film is ironically great and the book is unironically great. Yes. Now when you get 
I, I guess there's a they added caveat here when you get into Heinlein's other work. We all have to acknowledge here that Heinlein was a degenerate, and he advocates for his degeneracy in, in his other books. But I think politically, Heinlein's actually pretty sound. Uh, I don't even know anything about the author. I just read the book. So, well, he was he was politically good, and then he's like a, uh, you know, he advocates for like open marriages and whatnot. He was a libertarian, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i actually the the if if you guys if you guys are interested i'll put it in the description here but um uh one of the one of the best reviews from sargon of akkad had to do with starship troopers i would recommend watching that review of starship troopers because he actually breaks it down, and he, he's he's very uh, he intuits the the themes of Heinlein really well. Um, so I I'll add that link in the description. But yeah, hundred percent. So so what what uh what else have you been reading this year? Oh boy, so <clears throat> my list has been. Pretty intense. Um, I started out this year with American Awakening and Return of the Strong Gods. Uh, American Awakening is by Joshua Mitchell, and Return of the Strong Gods is by R.R. Reno. Uh, I think my current political position could probably be best summed up by American Awakening. It kind of gives voice to uh, a large swath. I mean, obviously, there are points of disagreement, and, you know, I, I specifically for me, I wish to incorporate a lot of these things into the South. But he gives a very good outline for true conservatism. Um, and then Return of the Strong Gods kind of reviews uh, America's, well, the West's rejection of the masculine elements of culture in, like, in general. Um, nationalism, uh, you know, strong borders, defense of one's people, of one's country, um, taking a hard line on things like poverty instead of this gaslighting uh, uh, government swamp where they want to just hand money out to people who are poor. There's this element of traditional culture of, you know, if a man doesn't work, he doesn't eat. Um, and this is this is held in coordination with you know, the <clears throat> traditionally in the West, we have this idea of uh, we follow the scriptural idea of, you know, if someone doesn't work, they don't eat. But do we kind of hold that in parallel with <clears throat> things like grazing laws and whatnot? America's rejection of the masculine elements of culture largely had to do with our reaction to Nazi Germany. That's, okay, you're uh, going to have to flesh that out. So... The killing that the Germans did 
in Poland, in France, um, in just about every area they occupied. There were a bunch of people who died. And they they were killed specifically for three reasons. Number one, the Germans needed slave labor. Unfortunately, the Germans were not exceptional in their use of slave labor, either in means or in methods. And often was the case that in war, when you conquered a people, you would use their people for slave labor. And a lot of times you just work them to death. And that's a you, you if you go down the the coastal defenses in France, um, there's you know accounts of and uh, entire groups of people who can account of and and images of uh, people being worked to the point of near death because of exhaustion, and then they are shot and just moved over to the side, and the people have to just keep working. Um, there were people who they're they're pouring the concrete on the coastal defenses, and they're to the point of exhaustion because concrete work is really hard. Uh, I've done it; I know it's very hard. But um, you know they they were exhausted, and they get to the point where they can't hardly move, and they would get shot and just dumped in the concrete, and they become part of the superstructure of this of this building. That stuff happened. And the, the difference between World War II and most other wars is that video propaganda was used like it was never used before. And so people were actually getting video reels of people being shot during World War II. And they were getting it with a relatively short amount of time. And both the Allies... And the and the Axis powers were using that propaganda to incense their people. Both sides used propaganda illegitimately, and they just fluffed things up. They fluffed up death numbers. They fluffed up all kinds of stuff. Um, and they did it for optics. They wanted to galvanize their own people against the enemy. And the the real war there there were. The, the real two elements of World War II were the first was propaganda and the second was espionage. That's when that's like the real real birth of of espionage proper that we see today. That's where all of your your you know glowy agencies were were invented was during World War II. CIA came out of World War II, MI6 came out of World War II, uh the Stasi came out of World War II. Like all these all these groups, the the FSB, all those groups, they're they're direct descendants of organizations <clears throat> built in World War II. So it's all one big glow up. Yeah, actually, hundred percent. And that, but but their rejection of what they're seeing of what Germany did during World War II, and there's a lot of legitimacy to the claims, by the way. Um, what what was done in the name of national defense? Because that's what all these were na that were done in. They killed they killed people who were who had Down syndrome. They killed people who uh, who had other genetic disorders. They were they were either sterilized or killed, and that is inhumane. That shouldn't be done. And that's they were doing that. And we have accounts of 
doctors, German doctors, doing that in the name of the state. They wanted to purify their people. And so there's a, re a reaction to that was to go in the opposite direction and to go to the form – and to reject the masculine elements of, of culture because they had, they had become tyrannical, and they just embraced all the feminine elements. I mean it's, that's why there's such discord today is because we, we live in a culture that's almost completely abandoned the masculine elements of culture. We, we only care about the feminine aspects of culture. That has a lot to do with, uh, well, this isn't the right podcast for it. Uh, it has a lot to do with universal suffrage also. Yeah, no, no, 100%. <laughs> yeah. But a lot of those ideas were solidified out of a rejection of what Germany did. And there's some legitimate rejection of what Germany did, but there's also the overreaction that we had. Um, and one of them was our answer to immigration, by the way, because that, that dates back to then, because Germany wanted to make sure that immigration was tamped down. They wanted Germany to, for the German people. And now if you say America for Americans, you're considered a racist because it has everything to do with race. They're, they're, they literally think that you hold the same views of race and ethnicity that the Nazis did. And I know well, that neither one of us do. Well, I mean, you know, they would also say that, oh, what is an American? Well, well, don't you know what an American is? I mean, I'm right. an American. I mean, someone that's hopping the dadgum border or getting a plane from uh, from uh, Kazakhstan or some crap, they're not an American. I, like I would that. say that, unless, you know, unless you've been here for three generations, you're not an American. Um, at least I, not I ethnically. Would I, I would agree with that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not, and I'm not 100% opposed to immigration, but I think we need to definitely curb a lot of our immigration. Well, and I'll even go this far. Like, <clears throat> I don't think, and this kind of tunes back into the nature of the the whole podcast. Like, I I don't want to be American. I want to be Southern. Right? <clears throat> you're you're gonna come into the South. I want you to be Southern. I don't care where you're from. I want you to be Southern. And if you can't be Southern, you can't uh, conform yourself to the, the, the narrative and the story that we're telling of our people, then why did you come here? And, uh, cheaper taxes. Well, well almost, almost invariably, it's either cheaper taxes or they get free stuff. Yeah. I mean, really, yeah. that's what it is. They hate our culture. I mean, I've talked to plenty of them. They're like... Oh, y'all are just a bunch of backwards down here. Then why the freak did you move down here? I mean, well, I mean you, you come from Midwest that ain't got no dad blame culture. You're gonna come down here and tell me how to do stuff? No, I'm good. Bro. I mean, the 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 Yankees and the Califags are are one thing, but I mean, I've even talking about the people from you know the the Latin countries down in the you know Central America, like yeah. and even South America. Like <clears throat> they don't have a whole lot of love for our culture and for our people. That all they care about is they're going to get a good job. So they're going to yeah. they're going to get free stuff. Cuz they can't get the kind of jobs here that they'll get they'll get down there. Yeah, that that's a and and, and the fact that you want to come to my land, you know, basically you in, in the way that I describe it is you're going to come to the land that that my great-grandfathers cleared, tamed, built roads through, you know, built up this great 
this great area that I live in, you're going to come over here and you're going to show the disrespect of not learning my language? Nah, bro, we ain't doing this. You're going to learn my, I'm not learning yours because I'm not in Mexico. I'm not in Guadalupe. Sorry, I've been (laughs) drinking a little bit tonight. I can't pronounce jack crap. (laughs) I I work in construction, so yeah, I kind of get pissed off when I see this every single day. Well, I, I I work in construction as well, and I I know the 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 problem is that there's a there's a duality to this. It it's not as simple as a condemnation of their actions because a lot of these guys are good guys. I know I know many of them that are good people. There's a lot of them that aren't good people, and there's a lot of them that while you're walking by, all they want to talk about is La Raza, La Raza. Um, for any of you. Spanish illiterates out there that means the race uh they're they want to protect their <laughs> their Latin racial identity um but there's some really good guys that that come over the border illegally, and there's a lot of those guys who they came over the border legally, but they overstayed their visa, and I would have less of a a problem with the guys who overstay their visa because their the renewal of their visa has more to do with them getting back up with the the coyotes that got them here because that's how they renew their visa is through those coyotes and they got to pay that coyote like you know eight ten thousand dollars just to stay in the u.s <clears throat> but the Uni- united states federal government encourages the coyotes like they they encourage them as a as a source of income i would say well I think the coyotes glow in the dark, so. Well, I'd agree. Some of them, I would, not all of them. But, I would, I would agree with you. I'm just saying, like, the, the, the United States federal government's complicit in making sure these guys are just a steady source of income for coyotes. It's all about spigot pointing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's kind of frustrating because, in a sense, they're being, <laughs> they're being, uh, they've got the boot on their neck, too. In a very real sense. And so you gotta... These are things you have to factor in. Now, uh, some of these guys do come over here and they they try to, as best as they can, adopt our culture. And I know some second and third generation guys who are, you know, by and large, they're pretty much Southern uh, in the way that they act and the temperament and and how they interact with the culture. And in large, they act Southern. And I'm okay with those guys, to be honest. I'm I'm good with those guys. Yeah, and, and I also see a lot of, uh, especially with the Latin communities, uh, they self segregate themselves. Yes. Um, I'm I'm actually a proponent of a voluntary self segregation. Uh, if you don't want to be around some people, just don't be around them. Like I shouldn't force someone to interact with them. Um, I, I think. Okay, so just go ahead and lay this out since we're just doing a straight, you know, you know, we're just riffing tonight. Um, I think Jim Crow South was bad, but I think that integ- you know, forced integration was even worse yes. because the people of the South actually wanted Jim Crow versus we didn't want integration. Um, so I think I think we just we just jumped from a frying pan to the fire where it should have been you have a right to choose what you want to do. If you want to segregate yourself, you can. Uh, if you want your gas station to not serve black people, I think you have that right because 
no one should force you to associate with people you don't want to associate with. Um, Man, you're just racist. But, well, obviously. I mean, of course. I'm white, and I'm Christian, and I'm Southern. Good night. I might as well just be hung from the gallows now. But Don't worry. I, they're, I, they're coming for you. Oh, they, they are. They are. Good. I'm, I'm ready to die. Let's do this thing. Let's get this big igloo started. How's that? How's that? Uh, how's that movie quote go? I'm your Huckleberry. <laughs> yeah, I'm your Huckleberry. Hold on, crap. I'm your Huckleberry. If you're Daisy. Yeah, he he's got a uh, he's got a little bit too much wine in him, fellas. He can't quite do the quote right. No, I can't. I really can't. Actually, I just ran out of the whole bottle. Dead, blame it. <laughs> but anyways, no, for real. Like, I, I just think you know people should be able to associate who they want to associate with. Like I mean, I have I have friends of all different shades of shades of colors. I've got white friends and I've got Irish friends. Um, I, I don't. <laughs> he went there. Anyways, we never should have let the Italians in. I'll just go ahead and say that. <laughs> oh, so another thing that I've been reading a lot this year, I've been reading the scriptures a lot more than I normally do. That's a good thing, man. It really is a good thing, and it has. I, I can. I look at the world a lot differently, but between between reading a lot more myths and then also reading the scriptures, I'm not calling the scriptures a myth. However, they do have mythological elements to them, and we should not discount the myth that is within scripture. I'll go as far as Lewis said, and and uh, I'll say that uh, Christ was the one true myth. Yes, yes, he he was the myth to fulfill all myths, but he actually lived. Not all myth is false. But it's not true in the historic sense in which we're thinking. But but Christ was true in the historic sense yes. in which we're thinking. Yeah, yeah. No, that, but anyways. That's, that's what he meant, he's the one true myth, is that myth doesn't require historical accuracy. It's the themes and the ideas and the, the archetypes that are being played out. The scripture's just one long myth, right? But it's true. It's, you know, because all scripture points to, tr- points to Christ as the one true myth. Okay, and, and we take this, and if we actually look at it from a from a from a backup view, like let let's stop being so autistic in our in our view of scripture for a second. Let's not look at everything didactically, but let's just listen to the story, how the 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 prophets and the apostles portray it out through time, and and we see this grand element as Douglas Wilson says, the whole point of the Bible is to kill the dragon, get the girl. And, that, and, and when that's you, literally when you how the story it, ends, by the way, guys. I know this is a spoiler, but Revelation <laughs> literally ends with the killing of the dragon and the getting of the girl. Oh, yes. oh, and the establishing of the kingdom. I, they, yes. So I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for you. It, that's what happens. That's that's the end. That's the end of time. That's God's eschaton: is kill the dragon, get the girl, build the house. Wait, is God post meal? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> but anyways, like just just looking at it, like so so I listened to it, like because that's how that's how Christians have historically gotten the Bible is they have listened to it over and over again. By the way, recommendation out there: if you if you want to do something to to totally amp up your spiritual game, listen to the Bible every single day. Or read the Bible. If you want to read the Bible, go ahead and read it. I don't care. And do it 
and, and there's a plan out there called uh, called the um, the Bible in 90 days. And it takes about 15 minutes of, of listening or 20 minutes of reading, depending on how slow you read. And you get through the entire Bible in 90 days. That's four times a year, if my math is right. I'm from Alabama. I don't know if my math is right. <laughs> I'm not asking you because you're from Mississippi. so. Yeah, my math's just as bad. But um, <clears throat> so kind of paralleling that, uh, another good one. And one I, I, I started because of the books that I've been reading. Um, as it happened, it's a, it's another one of the plans on the the Bible Gateway app, and it takes all of the books and chapters of the Bible and puts them chronologically. So you know, as you're going through uh, the Old Testament, for instance, the story of David split between the Kings Chronicles and and you know everything, all, all the other passages that he's in incorporates the Psalms, etc as he's going so when david hid from saul in the mountains it incorporates the psalms that david wrote while he's hiding in the cave um guys be poet kings be, be warrior poets there, there you go that's what i'm saying like philosopher kings and warrior poets like david was you should too when nobody called David gay. Oh, that's hot. Well, uh, some of the newfangled guys are, but that's just a way for them to justify their degeneracy. Yeah, but they're gay. We don't listen to gays. <laughs> this podcast will be demonetized. <laughs> yes. Yes, it will. Uh, just wait till we get on... Uh, <laughs> just, just wait till we get on, uh, you know, Women's Liberation Women. Oof. That one's going to get demonetized. Quick. I I never thought I like I, I didn't think that Dabney could be that based, but Dabney was that based. Oh yeah. Got, guys, tell your women to submit. <laughs> <laughs> because if not, you're gonna see little hellions running around. That's right. That's right. Hey y'all, thanks for listening in on our podcast. If you like what you hear, please share and comment wherever you're listening to it. And check out our Gab page at Dixie Polis Podcast. If you want to contact us, please send an email to dixiepolis at protonmail.com or send us a message on Gab. If you like the music we're playing, hang out a little while and let the song finish. It's Wayfaring Stranger by Southern Raised, and you can listen to them on YouTube or go to their website at southernraisedbluegrass.com. God bless y'all. Yeah.